This is the RE Exam Podcast, where the RE stands for real estate. Today we're going to be covering lesson number two for the state of Georgia for the salesperson exam. This is if you want to study for the exam to become a sales agent or a salesperson to sell real estate in the state of Georgia. This lesson is called The Rights in Real Estate, and it's 28 minutes and 15 seconds in length. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for books that you should be reading or classes that you should be attending. It is simply a supplement to your learning. The full series of audio lessons for the state of Georgia is 9 hours and 36 minutes. In addition to Georgia, we offer audio lessons for other states as well. So check the website, reexampodcast.com, and see if we have lessons for your state. You can also sign up for five free audio lessons, which would be delivered to you on a daily basis for you to determine if you like our teaching method and if the purchase of the full series of lessons would make sense for you. Now let's get on to today's lesson. Welcome to this lesson entitled Rights in Real Estate. In this lesson, we will be talking about what that means. What are rights when it comes to real estate and what are some examples of these things? There are many different kinds of rights where you can talk about land rights, air rights, property rights, tenants' rights, landlords' rights. The list goes on and on. But let's go ahead and get started. First, let's talk about what is real estate when we talk about this legally. Real estate is the air, water, and land, and anything that is affixed to that land. That constitutes real estate. But you have to be careful because land, real estate, and property are three different concepts. They're related, of course, but you can't just say land and real estate interchangeably. The land is just that, the actual ground and the water and the air. But real estate is also everything that is attached to those things as well. And so when you buy a piece of real estate, you get what's called a bundle of rights. And in that bundle of rights are certain things that you are allowed to do and that perhaps other people are allowed to do. It just depends on your bundle of rights. If you get all of the rights, you have complete control over everything that goes on in the property, you're said to have a fee simple bundle of rights. That's just a term you probably should remember. Well, let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about which each of these concepts mean and what some of these rights that you can have in your bundle of rights are. So first I want to talk about what the term land means. So if you have land, it's the surface of the earth and everything beneath the surface of the earth. There are many times things that are valuable underneath the ground. So oil, coal, minerals, fossils even things that other people might want to have. It also includes all natural things that are permanently attached to the earth. So the trees and the plants on your property, things that are naturally attached to the earth. And also the air above the surface of the earth expanding all the way up into outer space. So that is your airspace. So land land talks about things above, below, and on the land. And when you talk about land, you usually talk about either a parcel 
or a tract of land. And that just means, you can also say a plot of land. That's a piece of land with well-defined boundaries. You say this parcel of land goes from here to here, and that's what you own. When we're talking about land, it has three unique physical characteristics, immobility, indestructibility, and heterogeneity. So land first is immobile. You can't usually move a piece of land. You can move some of the dirt on the land, but you can't move the land itself from one place to another. That's just impossible. Because what, remember, as we talked about land, that encompasses everything, what's above the earth, what's on the earth, what's below the earth. So you, you couldn't possibly move all of that. The second is that it's indestructible in the sense that you'd have to scoop out an enormous portion of the planet in order to destroy the actual land. You can change the surface of the land, you can change even what's under the land, but these things don't change the fact that this land is right here, that you can't completely destroy a piece of land. So it's permanently there. And then land is non-homogeneous, or you can also say it possesses heterogeneity, not homogeneity. No two parcels of land are exactly the same. Even if they're similar, there are going to be differences. Even if it's two parcels of land in the same forest, there's going to be different kinds of trees in different places. There's no two parcels of land that are identical on the whole surface of the earth. So these three things are characteristics that you talk about land, immobility, indestructibility, and heterogeneity. So next, let's delve a little bit more into the term real estate. So real estate includes the land, so all those things that we just talked about, and then all man-made structures that are permanently attached to the land. You say permanently, that it's more of the intent. They want, they're supposed to be permanently there because man-made structures, if they're attached to the land, of course, are not actually permanent. They could be destroyed. They could be taken away, but they are intended to be permanent. So things like fences, any buildings that are on it, a well, a sewer, a sidewalk, a street, a playground, anything that you put on the land, those are all structures. And sometimes you call these structures improvements. Another word that you might hear is a fixture because it's been affixed to the land or an improvement, it has improved the land. It has increased the number of things that that land is good for. So before it was just a open field that was had grass on it. It might be good for someone to walk your pet or, or whatever, but it's not good for living unless you want to live in a tent. But then you build a house on it and then suddenly that land has been improved by creating a place where that has utility that you can use to live, to put your stuff in, to get shelter from the elements, and so on and so forth. So that is real estate. So land plus all of the man-made attachments. Then we have the third term that is known as property. And property is just something that somebody owns. So for example, if you had a bicycle and it's a bicycle that you keep in your garage and that you use, that is your property that you bought it or it was given to you and you're the owner. However, if later you abandon that bike by the side of the road and it becomes rusty and it's just sitting there and you don't no longer lay your claim on it, then it's no longer property because nobody owns it. And when you own property, you own the rights that go to the property. 
You, that means that you can use it in the way that the law allows, and you are not allowed to use it in the way that the law does not allow you to. When we talk about a bundle of rights, the rights that people have when they get real estate, there are certain things that are usually mentioned. And those are the following. Possession rights, use rights, transfer rights, encumbrance rights, and exclusion rights. So those are all different kinds of rights that you're going to run up against. So let's talk a little bit about each of these different things. Possession just means that you are allowed to go there and use it for your own purposes. That's the right of possession. So if you can possess the property, if you have the possession right, that means you own the property. If, you, if someone has use rights, that means you're allowed to actually use the property for the purpose that you want to. So if you are the owner of a piece of property, you can grant other people use rights. They don't own the property, but they are allowed to use it for specific purposes. So that's one thing that is a little bit different. Possess and use are not quite the same thing. You might also have transfer rights. And transfer rights just means that you are allowed to give it away. You can sell it. You can leave it to your heirs. You can give it to somebody as a gift. But if you have transfer rights, you're allowed to get rid of the property. If you're allowed to encumber the property, that's another thing. The right to encumber the property means that you can mortgage the property as collateral for another debt that you have. So that's what it means to encumber the property. And finally, exclude means that you are allowed to say who can come and go when you're talking about a property. So for example, think about the difference between owning a house and only renting a house. The question is, what properties would you get if you owned a house versus what properties would you get if you're only renting a house? So typically, if you're owning a house, then you would just get everything. You, you're able to possess it, use it, exclude people from it. You're able to transfer it and able to encumber it. But if you're only leasing the property, do you possess it? No, you don't get that right. Can you use it? Absolutely. As long as you're paying your rent, then you can go ahead and still use it. Can you exclude people from it? Sure. It's not your landlord, but you can exclude other people from it. Can you transfer it? No, that still belongs to the landlord. So you can't transfer it. You don't have the right of transfer. Can you encumber it? Definitely not. You don't have the right to use that property as collateral for a debt because it's not really your property. When talking about owning property, you sometimes hear the word real property versus personal property. So real property is owning real estate and the bundle of rights that goes along with real estate, like that bundle we just talked about. Those are all rights that you can own under real property. Personal property is ownership of anything that isn't real estate and the rights associated to that. So let's say you own a car. A car is considered personal property and not real property. Real property has to be real estate and the rights. But then, of course, you have rights when you own a car. That's not considered real property. It's considered personal property. Now, let me make one more distinction when we're talking about property. There is a distinction made legally between tangible property and intangible property. Now, tangible property 
are things that you can see or sense with your senses. Things that you can touch, see, smell, all these things, your, your car, if you own a boat, if you own jewelry, if you own books, whatever they are. These are all examples of tangible property. But then there's also a category called intangible property. And intangible property are things that you can't sense with your senses, but nevertheless have some sort of value. For example, if you have a certificate that shows that you own stock, or you have a contract on a house, those are things that they belong to you, they symbolize something that's intangible, and they have value. Absolutely, do they, they have value. And all real estate, though, is physical. It's something that you can sense with your senses, and that makes it tangible property. So let's delve into some other kinds of rights that we talk about when we talk about real estate. The first are the surface rights. And when we're saying this, different properties can, you can either have all of the rights, or you can say you already have partial rights, so you only have the surface rights or some of the other rights I'm gonna talk about. Now the surface rights are just the rights to the things on the surface of the earth. All of the things that actually touch the ground, the buildings, the trees, the plants, whatever other improvements are on the land, you're able to use the surface of the land. So those are the surface rights. Then we have what are called the subsurface rights. And the subsurface rights is everything beneath the surface of the earth. So the prefix sub means below, and so it's the below the surface rights, whatever minerals or natural gas or ever other, maybe even water that's under the earth can belong to someone. And this is the kind of right that is sometimes sold or leased out to someone else. Let's say someone discovers that you've got a deposit of gold underneath your house. Well, you're not in a mining company. There's no way that you alone would be able to do that. So you could lease or sell the subsurface rights to someone who has the ability to get that, and then they would pay you for the right to do that. That's something you might run into. Then we have what are called the water rights, and these are a kind of surface rights, because most water that we're talking about with water rights occurs on the surface of the earth. And there are a couple different kinds of water rights. We have first what are called littoral rights, and littoral rights are for bodies of water that are not moving, that are next to your property. And the way to remember this is L it stands for lake, stands for littoral. L, lake and littoral both start with L. And so it's for things that are not moving, like lakes, oceans, whatever, and not for things like rivers that are moving. So if you have littoral rights to water, you own the rights to the surface of the water that is next to your land, but you don't own the water or the land that's beneath the water. It extends to the high water mark of the body of water. Another thing about that is that it has to be a navigable body of water. That means that you're able to actually sell, sail a boat on it or that sort of thing. This means actually that if a body of water is completely surrounded by your land, then you have unrestricted access and use to that water. 
And Latrell rights go with the property. They don't go with you after you leave the property. If you have a lake house and you have littoral rights to that lake, when you sell the property, the littoral rights go with the house. They don't go with you. When you buy another house, they don't follow the previous owner, so you don't have, you have no rights anymore to that particular lake. And then we've got riparian rights. And the easy way to remember this is R stands for river, stands for riparian. These are moving bodies of water, such as a stream or a river. If your property is next to a stream or a river, the first thing you have to ask yourself is the body of water navigable or non-navigable? Can you sail on it or can't you? So if it's a non-navigable stream or river, the owner has unrestricted rights and owns the land beneath the stream to the midpoint of the stream, so halfway there. If it is navigable, the it's considered to have what's called a public easement. That means anybody can go ahead and use it. The owner's property extends to the water's edge instead of the midpoint of the waterway, and the state owns the land beneath the water. So that's just saying, if it's a, if it's a river and it's next to someone's property, you can't like charge a toll for public boats to go by, that sort of thing. It's, it's understood that the, that's open to the public. Okay, finally, let's talk about what are called fixtures. And fixtures are interesting because they can either be personal property or real property in the eyes of the law, depending on the circumstances. So remember, personal property is something that you own that you have the rights to that is not real estate, and real property is real estate and its bundle of rights. So there are a few things that you have to talk about. The first is whether or not it's actually attached to the land. Is the fixture meant to be a permanent structure or something that could be taken away easily? So for example, if you have a, an above ground pool that's just a freestanding one, you fill it up with water and you swim in it, that's considered personal property because it's not permanently affixed to the land. When you move, you could just fold it up or roll it up and take it with you. However, if you build a below the ground pool, you pour the concrete and you, you know, dig the hole out and the whole nine yards, then that is permanently attached to land. You're not gonna take that pool with you if you move and go to another house. It's become a permanent fixture on the property. And so in that case, it would not be considered personal property, but could be considered real property. So any personal property that's been converted to real property by attachment in this way is known as a fixture. And so some things can include things like toilets, water pumps, septic tanks, window shutters, things that you attach to the property that are not meant to be removed. So you can ask yourself, when I sell this house and I move to a new house, what am I gonna take with me? You're not going to take usually your toilet with you. That's going to be a permanent, a fixed part of the house. And, but sometimes there's still a little bit of a gray area. And so if you want to ask yourself some questions, whether or not something is a fixture, then you can ask yourself the following questions. The first is, what was the intent of affixing this particular thing permanently? Was it intended to be there forever or was it intended to be something that could be easily removed and taken with? 
The second is adaptation. If the item is, has been adapted to the property and it's custom designed to fit that particular property, whether or not it's easily removable, then it also can be considered a fixture. Functionality is the next question. If it's something that is that you just have to have that's vital to the operation of the building, it can still be called a fixture, such as air conditioning systems, solar panels, things that help the building run smoothly. Another thing is called relationship of the parties. If a tenant installs a fixture and uses that fixture to conduct business, then that's considered what's called a trade fixture. And that is can always considered personal property instead of being real property. Of course, you can just look at the contract. What are the contract provisions? If it's something is listed as personal property in the contract, then it's personal property. So let me talk about trade fixtures. Trade fixtures are also sometimes called chattel fixtures. They are personal property that is temporarily affixed to the property in a way that you can use to conduct business. So for example, if you are leasing a plot of land for a farm, you might have tools and other things that you put up on a temporary basis in order to help you with that. Let's say you are milking cows. You're putting up a milking machine. That's not meant to stay there forever. That's just something that's helping you run your business. So that's a trade fixture. It is personal property. And finally, we have what's called emblements. An emblement is just a fancy word for plants, crops, or anything that is that you're getting from the land. And so these can be considered real property, even though they come from the land and they need human intervention to grow. So not just the trees that are naturally there, like if you're planting corn or wheat or soybeans or have an orange grove or whatever, these are all emblements. And emblements, even though they're attached to the land, are considered personal property. So if someone is renting land in order to farm it, and then they grow the crop, the landlord is not allowed to take that from them. That is their personal property. So that's what we mean by implements. Okay, let's go back and test your knowledge. See how much you learned from this lesson. My first question is, what is the difference between land and real estate? So land is just the earth, what's below the earth, what's above the earth, the air, the water, the things that are naturally there, like trees, that's the land. However, real estate is all of these things, plus any man-made improvements that have been put on top of the land or under the land, whatever the case may be. So then, what is the difference between that and real property? So real estate and real property are not the same thing. What's the difference between those two terms? So we talked about real estate is the land plus the man-made improvements. Real property is real estate plus a bundle of rights. Those are the legal things that you're able to do with the land because you own it or are leasing it. What are the three physical characteristics of land? There's three of them. See if you can name those.
So we have immobility, indestructibility, and heterogeneity. It's not going to move, it can't be destroyed, and it's no two parcels of land are the same. My next question is, what are the five rights that we talked about? There's a bundle of rights that we talked about that usually comes with real property, or at least some of them do. What are those five rights? So we have possession, use, transfer, encumbrance, and exclusion. What does it mean if you have the right of exclusion on your property? If you have the right of exclusion on your property, that means that you are able to say who can and can't use your property or can't go on your property. That, that's what you can do if you have the right of exclusion. So my next question is, what rights will you not have if you are simply leasing the property and not buying or mortgaging the property? So you do have the right to use and exclude people from the property, but you don't possess the property, you can't transfer the property, which is selling it to someone else, and you can't encumber the property, of course. Next question is, what's the difference between real property and personal property when we're talking about real estate? The difference is that real property is real estate and the bundle of rights, and personal property is something that is not real estate, to which you also own a bundle of rights, such as a car or a boat or something else that you own that's not real estate. My next question is, what's the difference between tangible property and intangible property? So the difference is tangible property is something that you can experience with your senses. It's a physical object, like a house. All real estate is tangible property by nature. And intangible property are things that you can't see that still have value, or you can't experience with your senses. Things like a share in a company of stock. That's something that you, you can't see your ownership of the stock, but it's still there and it, it still is worth something. My next question is, what is the difference between surface rights and subsurface rights? Surface rights pertain to what is actually on the surface of the earth. And subsurface rights pertain to what is below the surface of the earth. Things like minerals, water, oil, whatever is under the earth, those are the subsurface rights. When we're talking about water rights, there's two different kinds of water rights. See if you can remember what those two kinds of water rights are and how you tell them apart. So we've got riparian rights and littoral rights. And remember, river and riparian start with the same letter. That's easy to remember. And then also, luckily, lake and littoral start with the same letter as well. 
Riparian rights are for moving bodies of water, and littoral rights are for non-moving bodies of water, such as a lake. And one thing to remember is that it's also important whether the body of water is navigable or not. If it is navigable, then it is considered to have a public easement. That means that the public is allowed to use that body of water. So if, especially if it's a riparian rights, then it has a public easement on it. It's a little bit different for littoral rights, especially if you happen to own a lake that's completely surrounded by land that is yours. Then you've got unrestricted access to the water and what goes on with the water. My last question is, what is a fixture and how does that differ from a trade fixture? So a fixture is just something that was personal property, but now has been permanently affixed to the property on purpose. So the difference between an above ground pool and a below ground pool that's been permanently put there. And then trade fixture is con still considered personal property actually, but it's been temporarily brought there in order to help someone do their business. So for example, if you are a restaurant and you bring in freezers and different appliances that help you run your restaurant, those are still considered personal property even if you affix them there. And that is all for our lesson for today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to the lesson today. If you are interested in getting five free audio lessons, go to the website. And if we have the lessons for your state, sign up for the five free audio lessons for your state. On a daily basis, you will be mailed links for the different audio lessons that we offer for your state. And you will receive a total of five sample lessons for you to decide if you would like to purchase the full series of audio lessons. Again, go to the website reexampodcast.com and sign up for the five free audio lessons. If we don't have audio lessons for your state and you're interested in them, write me a note, franz, F-R-A-N-Z, at reexampodcast.com. Best of luck in your studies.